Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 464 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Patrick Kivalahan. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, as always, your friend and mine, mostly yours, Nate Dotson. How are you, Nate? Ooh, Chad, if I were any better, I would be Tom Brady's travel agent. Oh, Tom I think they're going to be busy. You ever have those days where you, obviously you've had these days where you just get that, that random song stuck in your head? Yes, sometimes, I'm going to say what the song is this week for me. Sometimes it's terrible and you hate it and you can't wait to get rid of it. Well, today for me, it is uh, The Sign by Ace of Bass. It's been a good day. It's been a <laughs> great day. Outstanding. I saw The Sign. Wow. Fantastic. Open um, my eyes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. How about that Tom Brady? He retired. We'll see. Stay tuned. I don't know. I think he uh, he faked the retirement. Here, here's here's my conspiracy theory. He faked the retirement last year to break down his marriage so that now he can retire in peace and play golf all he wants. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. That's a long play. <laughs> Kudos <laughs> that's, that's to him, a, I guess. That really is the long con there. All right, before we go any further, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and smash the subscribe button. Uh, we've had a number of new subscribers on YouTube recently, so thank you for that. Thanks, guys. So, yeah, I appreciate that. If you listen to the audio version, and most of you listen to the audio version where we've been since episode number one, uh, you know, if you're not subscribed at this point, I'm probably not going to talk you into it, but, you know, just subscribe or follow or whatever it says on your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or Amazon Music or iHeartRadio, which is a thing. Um, Nate... We do this thing at Patreon as well. Do you know about our Patreon family? I didn't know it was a real thing until you let me join the family. <laughs> that was actually just a couple of weeks ago. It charged We've been me telling you about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been telling you about it and, you know, just, uh, I don't know. We had to t break you in first, but patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. And, uh, you know, we try not to push that on you too much because it's whatever. If you want to join us, good. Toss us a couple bucks, whatever. We have fun with it. It's a good, it's a, we do call it a family because we, we are getting to be a family. This Monday is our monthly Patreon hangout. And Nate, um, how would you describe? I should have probably uh, previewed this question for you, let you get prepared for it. But how would you describe these monthly hangouts we have on Zoom with our Patreon family? Um, it's, it's the only time you can consume digital media about the Reds and smile about it. <laughs> and it goes into crazy. I, I you, know, you just never know where the conversation is going to go every week. So yeah, it's, uh, it's start, usually start starts out reds and then quickly goes off the rails, kind of like this podcast. Yeah, so it's pretty much on brand for us. So anyway, if, if you want to join us, you know, a couple bucks a month, um, patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. Nate, uh, are you ready for the topic of the week? I mean, are you pumped up and ready for this exciting? Topic of the week. The nature of this topic means it doesn't matter how ready I am at all. This is, this, is, this is feelings, no facts today. I'm into it. That's right. This is one. This one is because that's your motto in life: feelings, no facts. This is our February February easy for me to say February vibes check episode. Nate, let's discuss the state of the union as we <laughs> roll into February. I, I'm not sure we want to do that, but let's talk about where the Reds are, what the roster is going to be like, and just kind of what are, what are our vibes right now around the Reds? This is what February is for, man. Spring training is happening, uh, gosh, it's right around the corner. And it's my favorite time of year, really. 
this is that year when time of year when I always convince myself that the best case scenario is possible. So here we go. I'm ready. We talk about this almost every week, man. And I, it's, there's some element of we're trying to talk ourselves into it. But there is if you if you are a a serious Reds fan and a serious baseball fan, I almost guarantee you've experienced some version of this every single spring. Listen, we know the Reds are going to be bad, but maybe they won't be as bad as everyone says. There's this there's this element of of optimism that's not really optimism, World Series optimism necessarily, like you know real franchises uh, get to experience. But I don't know. You know, we we we. Is this guy going to do this? Can this guy do that? Hmm, what about these young kids? Are they going to come up? There's just, it's the unknown, I think. It's the, it's the element of the unknown that allows us, we haven't had our dreams shattered just yet. And so I am, I'm, I'm literally as excited about the Cincinnati Reds 2023 season as I've ever been right now. Again, I guess excited about the season is, it's, it's really sad, frankly. It's, it's sad the way I'm trying to rationalize this. I'm excited about the fact that maybe there will be fun stuff to watch, but there is going to be fun stuff to watch. And, and, and if, if, unless we're going to pick another team, then this is, this is where we are. And so um, I like this time of year because it's all out there. It's all possible. Uh, even like we talked last week, maybe they can, you know, uh, the, uh, maybe they can do better than everyone thinks, but uh, I am, uh, this is what's called rambling. I'm rambling. <laughs> trying to come up with a, uh, a thesis statement here for the State of the Union, <laughs> and I'm failing. But uh, go Reds, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. No, it's it's, it's springtime. Everybody has the same records. I mean, every, every season there is a team that nobody expected to make the playoffs that does. Now with expanded playoffs, there's an even bigger chance of that. That team doesn't need to be a 90-win club. An 85-win team might make the playoffs. So we're not talking ourselves into a World Series championship. We're not trying to talk ourselves into, you know, a, a big red machine-esque, you know, team with four or five all-stars or anything like that. We're not crazy. But we laid out the case last week. You can, you, you can hope for a 500 team. I don't expect it. I'm not putting money on it. But it's not insane. It's not outside the realm of possibility. So that's, that's what the vibe check's about. That's what spring training is about. And it's the reason that anybody who's romantic about baseball loves this time of year, because no matter what happens, some guys get hot at the right time and you only need a few to get hot in April, a few to get hot in May. Tyler Stevenson plays like an MVP. Hunter Green, Nick Lillo split the Cy Young down the middle. Boom. Reds make the playoffs. I love it. Sign me up. Where do I sign that uh, petition? Yeah, you you know you kind of talked about something that I've bounced around, and 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 some some other Reds fans I've talked to have kind of bounced around for a while, and that's this idea of the expanded playoffs, and and what does that mean? You know, they've been talking about expanding it even further, you know, over the years, and there has been a very credible argument made by very by smart Reds fans, smart Reds writers, that if they expand the playoffs, then it's just going to give the Castellinis an excuse to keep being cheap and just try to get to, you know, 85 wins, 86 wins. And um, my response, and and I I thought, well, yeah, okay, that's probably true. And I, initially I was like, yeah, we don't want to reward them for this behavior, but I'm around to the, to the, uh, the viewpoint that, you know what, I'll take that, whatever, you know, if we can get them to, be, to try for 85 wins, that's what 80, I'm saying. 81 wins. That's fun. If they could, could win, more than they lose, that means that 
I'm going to go to bed more nights than mm-hmm. not somewhat satisfied. So bring it on. I don't, you know, I, the fact that an 85 win team might be able to make the playoffs and potentially win the world series. Now baseball purists of which I considered myself one <laughs> until not too long ago, scoff at that. 2023 Reds fan, Chad says, Oh my gosh, is this a dream? Am I in heaven or is this Ohio? So. <laughs> That's a hundred percent true. Like they don't need an excuse to be cheap. They're going to do that anyway. So if, if we're getting that, we might as well get the wins too. We might as well get that playoff bird. Yeah, make it easier for us. I don't care. I would take one. You know, we we, we did not like that 2013 uh, wild card game, you know, where Cueto dropped the ball and they lost. But, man, I, I'd take that season now. <laughs> anyway, let's you, you want to sort of just – we're not going to go – too in-depth because there's so much still to be determined about the Reds roster, yeah. but you want to do kind of a, a roster rundown where we are now and, um, and what we're expecting about the roster. Yeah. Let's go through sort of position group by position group. Okay. Um, well, we probably should have talked about this beforehand. They, uh, once again, our lack of preparation is uh, smacking us around because looking behind the curtains, guys, Everybody gets to sneak <laughs> I thought maybe we would uh, project a uh, starting lineup. Okay. Perfect. And then we could slightly, pick, slightly better than my idea. Slightly. Well, I'm just thinking we can talk about who's in the mix for some of these positions, yeah. but um, essentially I've been here since episode one. So you're just going to have to do what I say. <laughs> well, I, I pulled rank there. Do you, do you see that? I pulled rank. You are, you are the Phil Castellini of this podcast. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. 26 roster spots. My best guess is there's going to be 13 pitchers, 13 position players. It gives us nine position players, including the designated hitter, four bench players, and then uh, you know five starters, eight relievers. That's what I thought, and then that'll give us a chance to kind of go into the position groups as well. Okay. So, uh, starting line. Let's, I guess let's go around around the horn. Um, we'll start with catcher. Nate, are you expecting Tyler Stevenson to be the uh, primary catcher for the Reds this year? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's been. Uh... Plenty of banter about how many bats he's going to get, how many games him moving around the diamond, but pencil him in at least on opening day behind the dish. My captain, my QB one, my favorite red this season, not named Joey Votto. He doesn't count. Tyler Stevenson is our guy. Man, Tyler Stevenson needs to be the next Joey Votto for, for Reds fans. Um, I'm, I'm having one of my patented unpredictable changes of heart because I do want to talk about this position group <laughs> quickly, <laughs> the catchers. Um, I think when we get to the bench discussion here, I think the Reds are going to carry two backup catchers. Mm-hmm. I think Kirk Casale and Luke Mail are both going to be on the uh, on the roster. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because it's something we talked about here in, in recent weeks, which is, and David Bell talked about, that's Reds manager, David Bell. Oh, oh, um, thanks. It just it gives you so many more options with Stevenson to not have him um, squatting behind the plate let him play first base some, let him play um, catcher some, and then let him uh, DH. I think we're uh, Kirk Casale also can play some first base. I, I'm hoping that we have Joey Votto playing 140 games at first base and hitting well. But um, it, I guess that my question to you is, would you be surprised if the Reds only have four bench guys, if you're not including like the DH, you know, four bench guys, and two of those were catchers? It sounds insane in theory, but I think it's probably the best roster construction for this team as things stand yeah. right now. I think that um, what we'll see as we hash this out a little bit is that there's going to be a lot of flexibility 
with the position players, a lot of guys that can play multiple spots. Um, Tyler Stevenson, like we mentioned, is going to play a lot elsewhere. He'll be in the lineup elsewhere. And on those days that you have him at first base or you have him DHing, you don't want to run the risk of having to put him in at catcher in the later innings. That's just not ideal. These guys like routine. So having that second backup catcher allows that. And for me, the biggest thing is simply these backups aren't chuckleheads with a stick. Like they're not, you know, apologies to Chucky Robinson and, you know, Eddie Tobinsey, who I think was on the team last year. These guys aren't terrible hitters. So you're not getting the quite the drop off that you would usually get with your backup catcher. Yeah, you know, I think the jury's still out for me on on Luke, but uh, Kirk Cassell is a guy that I wouldn't mind you drop in as a in a pinch hitting spot late mm-hmm. in the game. You know, um, I've got very fond memories of Kirk Cassell. He came in and he performed very well for the Reds uh, when he was here before. We'll see. You know, he's like forty yeah. years old now or something. But um, but for this for the sake of this conversation though, vibe checks vibes could not be higher for Tyler. There Smith. you go. Oh, oh my goodness. All the vibes. I'm, I mean, I've been tossing out MVP. I'm thinking if he's healthy, all-star for sure. If not one of those, maybe he doesn't get the recognition because it's like too early in the season that people don't know yet. Well, they're going to know. Silver Slugger, end of the year. Let's go. I've seen enough to know. It's all about health with Tyler Stevenson. And we've been saying this forever. Again, we're not trotting new territory here. But I don't think people understand. If he were healthy for two extra weeks in the first half of last season, he's he's a – in the all-star game. He's made his first all-star game. I mean, he's that good. He's very likely uh, presuming health and we can't ever presume health, but he's very likely to be the best hitter on the 2023 mm-hmm. Cincinnati Reds. And to have that as your primary catcher. Oh my gosh. That is, I mean, that is maybe not MVP this year in territory, but you start thinking about the things like that because oh, yeah. the league will be see? on notice every, all the, all the national talking heads will be talking about Tyler Stevenson. If he plays, even 130 games this year. Oh, man. And and then, you know what? If that happens every single week, I'm going to mention his name and a, a single tear is going to drift down my cheek. I'm just going to be so happy. It's going to be so good. All right, good so that's your vibes. good vibes only, baby. Even though Gino is not with us anymore, good vibes only. Uh, so first base, I mean, we're going with Joey Votto here. We got to believe that Joey Votto is going to be the guy. I, I don't know how we can not believe that Joey Votto is going to be the guy. Um I don't know what else to say. We need, we need Joey Votto. We need Joey so Votto back. The, the question is, do we expect him to be in that spot on opening day? That seems like a like a longer shot. I, mean, I don't know. He hasn't quite said. The team hasn't said anything. So we're still holding out hope. But if he's not, who do you who do you think it is? First of all, five or six years ago, I made the uh, executive decision to never doubt Joey Votto. <laughs> Just don't doubt him. Uh, but I'll say I will. I would be surprised if he's in the opening day, opening day lineup. I would be uh, very surprised. And if he's not, I I expect the first baseman to be Will Myers. Mm-hmm. That's I mean I think Will Myers is going to be a primary outfielder, but I uh, most of the season, well for the first half of the season before he gets traded for a haul. But um, I hate to predict that Joey Votto is not going to be the opening day first baseman. That's that's what I think. But I still think Joey Votto is going to get the majority of the at bats at first base this year. That's right. Also, great vibes. A little bounce back season from him closer to two seasons ago. And then after the season, they renegotiate his contract. He sticks around for another three years, and we all go home happy. Would you object to them signing him to another 12-year contract? Blank check. Blank check for the guy. Yeah, I agree. 
He should be able to play for the Reds as long as he wants to play for the Reds. All right, so that's uh, that's our first base uh, situation. Second base, I mean, obviously it's uh, it's Jonathan India mm-hmm. for now. Uh, and you and I are both a little bit high, I think, on Jonathan India this year. I think we—I don't know that he's going to be as good as he was as a rookie, but I think we're both pretty optimistic about what he showed when he finally got fully healthy last year. And I don't know—I'm not worried about Jonathan India. Are you? You know, I am higher on him today than I have been at any point in this offseason. You know, I've both said multiple times that we think he settles somewhere, settles in somewhere in between rookie year and last year, right? Well, a fantastic. Twitter follow guy named Bryce Spalding um, said exactly that made out the case like hey man like this is gonna be a nice three three to four win above replacement year for Jonathan India like maybe he's not as good as that rookie year but he should be close and like he, he was touting that as as being a good season well Jonathan India decided that he was gonna take that as motivation he's keeping the receipts he he quote tweeted Bryce and said thank you for that thank you for this <laughs> so Jonathan India is in the DMs, he's looking at Twitter, looking at his, for his own name, and looking for motivation. And we just saw that that Bengals team across the street using motivation all season long, and it worked for them. It's going to work for Jonathan India. I'm here for it. And it's not just that with Jonathan India. There's another account at Reds in Four. I don't know who this is. I don't follow them. Um, I don't know that they, if they follow me on Twitter, but uh, Reds in Four tweeted, at what point did the, does the over... It's not great grammar, but I'm just going to read it verbatim. At what point does the overwhelming amount of 2B second baseman the Reds have signed this offseason cause us to ask what the long-term plan is for Jonathan India? And Jonathan India, quote, tweets it and says, thank you for this. Um, I guess my first question is, who are all the second basemen the Reds have... Who are the overwhelming number of second basemen the Reds have signed this offseason? I don't recall them unless we're talking about uh chad pender who we'll mention in a moment and kevin newman newman um but again it does bring up a question where is jonathan india in the long-term plans for the reds and is he it, when he's saying that is he, is he saying oh you're giving me motivation or is he saying why aren't the reds talking about extending me you know i don't know what i don't know what to make of jonathan india's recent twitter uh, escapades but it's interesting to watch yeah i think he's he's going for that motivation that bulletin board stuff he's, he's following it away both those guys are good good balls gigantic just just passionate hardcore reds fans that seem like they're just diving into the data all day long um they love them some prospects so you know nobody's perfect just kidding guys but uh <laughs> um I thought, I thought it was funny that jonathan india's out there and for whatever reason knowing that he's Got this chip in his shoulder this year. Gets me fired up. The vibe check is strong with Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll take it. And uh, I am decidedly not going to tweet about Jonathan India today. Just I'm going to get a picture of him with a flowing lock, say hashtag hot boy, and see if he quote tweets me. <laughs> That's a good this. idea. Thanks <laughs> for this. All right, so Jonathan India, the primary second. Unless he's hurt, that's, that's what it's going to be, obviously. So third base, uh, Mike Moustakis. Oh, no, wait a minute. Ooh. The guy that I just every week here, you're going to be able to see this from me uh, if, if you if you listen every week. My um, optimism for Spencer Steer rises every week, and some of it is at some point, and I probably crossed that Rubicon. It gets to be irrational, but at this point, I'm expecting Spencer Steer to be um, 
you know, 1A to Tyler Stevens is one as the best hitter on the team. I, I don't, okay, not really. But I'm telling you, man, I think Spencer Steer is, is poised for one of these seasons that we see occasionally where he becomes like, uh, you know, sort of the, a fan favorite type that he just, he's going to surprise everyone and become a guy that Reds fans really like, assuming any Reds fans actually go to games, um, which I'm not sure they will, but. Uh, do, do you think Spencer Steer, he's our third baseman? I think, is that uh, your thoughts as well? I think he's definitely the, the third baseman for the majority of the year. And you touched on something that I was going to say is he has a chance to become the the Kyle Farmer of the team. Like the, the, the fans will love this guy if he puts up any, so, any sort of stats. But, but I mean, there's a lot of people really high on this guy. That's what I'm saying. Not to denigrate uh, Kyle Farmer, the greatest player in Reds history, or maybe second greatest. I mean, it depends on what you think about uh, Joe Morgan. But um, Steer has a chance to put up actual numbers, yeah. like like real real stats, a real stat line. And um, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm this is again this is a, a function probably what we've been talking about. This is the spring optimism. But he's the guy that I'm talking myself into is going to be the breakout player for this year's team and uh and when it doesn't happen no one will remember this um but if he hits over 340 this year i will get a spencer steer tattoo oh okay i hope somebody's tracking all these tattoo promises i'm making actually I, they keep getting my, more and more outlandish so uh, my wife hopes no one is. what if you what if he plays 10 games gets hurt and he finishes the year at a 350 batting average <laughs> do i have to honor that pledge to get a tattoo, I, I don't know. I may have to call my. You have to have at least one. enough at bats to qualify for the batting title. I think. I think that's fair. All right. Well, I'll t- so far, by the way, catcher, first base, second base, third base, the vibes check's coming in strong. That's true. I'm optimistic about all of them. You know, so we'll see. The one I'm maybe least optimistic about is Vado, but only because I'm an idiot and I've decided to doubt Vado. So. um I'm going to go back and I'm going to edit that line out of this yeah, show. Yeah. Let's, let's pretend it didn't happen. Shortstop. <laughs> this is a question. This is where the vibes, the vibes start going down a little bit. Yeah. So I'll ask you, who do you expect is going to be the primary shortstop? For that? And when I say primary shortstop, which Cincinnati Reds player will start the most games at shortstop in the 2023 season? If I'm having to put money on it. If I, th- if I had to just make a bet on who I think that's going to be, not who I want it to be, but who I think it's going to be, and then I think we're looking at a, uh, a, a Kevin Newman type. Yeah, I think so. That, that's that's where I was going to go. It's going to be Kevin Newman. It hurts um, my soul. I- <laughs> no offense, Kevin Newman. Like, crush it. Love you, man. Welcome to the club. <laughs> but you're not – I'm not getting jazzed up over Kevin Newman. <laughs> yeah, the vibe check's uh, not, not quite as strong. I feel guilty for this. You just said, go, go Kevin Newman. Yes, I want you to do well. And and I don't even know Kevin Newman. I've not yet met him. I look forward to meeting him and going to dinner at a, at a nice uh, Italian restaurant at some point. But um, every time I see his name, I think these words. And it makes me sad. And it's not Kevin Newman's fault. But I think, oh, yeah, I got a, got a poor guy's uh, Kyle Farmer here. <laughs> a poor man's Kyle Farmer. Kyle Farmer is a poor man's Kyle Farmer. What is Kevin Newman? <laughs> I think there's a chance we get a slightly better Kyle Farmer out of him. Really? Which means, apologies to Spencer Steer, you won't be the favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We get a better but, Kyle Farmer. 
the vibe checks would be a lot higher. They're not high for for Kevin Newman, Kyle Newman, Brian Farmer, whatever this guy's name is. If if it was Jose Barrero, and he had done enough last season to be be, be penciled into that spot, that starting spot, we felt good about it. Then the vibe checks would be a lot higher. But my man is just not quite there yet. And actually, we had a viewer mail question. Kind of Absolutely. Exactly I was getting I was getting ready to ask that one, uh, Nate. So I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that one. Um, this one comes from comes from uh, one of our good friends, Rex Scott. Again, these viewer mail questions come from our friends at patreon.com slash Rex asks this, Chad, you and Nate were talking about Jose Barrero during a recent podcast in a way that sounded like you believe there is no hope for him to ever realize the high hopes invested in him. Is that the way you feel? If so, isn't that premature, given his age, potential, and the amount of time he's had so far to prove himself? Now, um, Nate, you're getting ready to dive into it. I'll let you answer it first if you want, or, or I'm happy to dive in. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely too soon to give up on Jose Barrero. Uh, I love me some Jose Barrero, but if I'm, uh, if I'm living – in reality, over here, you take out that 2021 season is, you remove that from the equation, and his numbers are pretty uninspiring. The guy looks like a ball player. He moves like a ball player. But I'm just not convinced yet, and I, I hope like heck that I am wrong. But I, I, I got to see it. I'm not. The vibes aren't as strong as I wish they were. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, uh, Rex, the way you, the way you said that um, – you discussed him in a way that sounded like you believe there is no hope for him to ever realize the high hopes invested in him. If that is the way that I, that we came across, I don't think that was intentional uh, right. that there's no hope. Uh, Cause I don't think that's the case. The guy's got, uh, you know, he's still a kid, but he's going to be 25 this year. And he uh, has not performed well at the big league level. Now, again, we're talking about 298 at bats. So essentially half a season, 93 full games, 298 at bats. But look, he's been bad. He's been just bad. Is 170 average, 250 on base, 223 slugging. Um, this past year in AAA, he was bad in AAA. Now again, that's just 55 games, 237 at bats. But he hit 209 um, as my shorthand. I know batting average, whatever. But that's you know. So uh, 2021, he did perform well in AAA. He's a monster. Course, he was a monster. Right, and he and so he you know he's he's and uh, you know. That, but that's really – and he was good in uh, in AA and AAA that year. That was the, the year that Nate was referencing. And he looked good at, you know, in A-ball as well. But, you know, A-ball. I, I, I've said many times here, I don't trust anything I see until they get to the higher levels. Uh, until you're out of uh, single A, I don't consider you a prospect. He didn't even look – I mean, he was, he was good in A-ball, but he wasn't really good. I mean, he had a 779 OPS and – I, well, worse than that. No way. I, I think the caveat there is that he was in the Florida State League, so those numbers oh, are okay. the True. offense is depressed a little bit in the Florida State League. But uh, but you're, you're right. It wasn't the season we saw the next season that got everybody so excited for me and 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 uh, you know lifted him to the big leagues. Now, um, the best case scenario we had a couple episodes ago. We talked about the best case scenario. Truthfully, I don't know that we even mentioned this because I can't remember two. I can't remember yesterday, but. The best case scenario for the Cincinnati Reds organization is that Jose Barrero has a renaissance, that he crushes the ball in the spring, wins the spot, and continues that in the regular season. 
Because if that's the case, then first of all, we're going to get real production of the shortstop position, which I don't expect that uh, uh, we're going to and that we haven't had in years since probably Felipe Lopez. Um, and, and I know you're going to yell at me after we finish here about the Paul Yanish slander here. But um, <laughs> if that happened, first of all, Jose Barreau resurrects his career, becomes the, you know, he was a highly ranked prospect. I mean, he, he was he was a big-time prospect for a very short period. So what that does is, beyond giving the Reds good production short stuff this year is, oh, my goodness, flexibility to make trades and to uh, fill in other positions. It's, uh, you know, it's it's Nick Crawl's greatest dream is to have another chip like Jose Barrero. Am I counting on it? No. But to Rex's question, do I think there's no hope? No, absolutely. I think there is hope. He's still, he's still, he's 24 right now. He'll turn 25 this year. There's hope. He's done it before. But now, am I counting on it? No. Am I going to bet the ranch on it? No. Uh, am I going to be uh, surprised if it happens? Yeah, probably a little bit. A little bit. But, uh, you know, um, that's that's my best case scenario. It's springtime, baby. We are. We're believing in it. If, if he's good, moving out to center field, Ellie stays at shortstop for a while, and suddenly the flexibility Ooh. and the position pieces, Noel Marte comes up, third baseman, my boy CES is hitting like a 1,000 home runs a year. Reds are going to go undefeated at that. Sorry. So go carried away there. That was the uh, that was the LaFroig talking. If, if, you're, <laughs> if you're not watching on the YouTubes, YouTube.com's. Slash Riverfront says it. You're missing the single tear rolling down my cheek. Just dreaming about that uh, scenario. <laughs> Good vibes only. I love it. I, you know, um, but in reality, the shortstop vibes are not very good. Sorry. Your work. sorry, I've had to post a fill picture to tamp down the good vibes. That's not appropriate. I apologize, Nate. All right, so um, we've gone through the infield. Let's talk about this outfield now. If it, let's, okay. who who are the well, outfield and DH. Who are the four players that are going to see the most at-bats at outfield positions slash DH? I'm going to give you who I think. You tell me whether I'm crazy. I think um, Will Myers, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think um, Nixon Zell is going to get his shot again. I think Spencer, Spencer Steer. Jake Fraley. And I think probably T.J. Friedel. I think those are probably the guys that I would kind of mix in those four starting spots, D.H. and across the outfield. Um, what do you think? Any, any other names we need to be talking about? I mean, we can mention some of the the guys that are not necessarily expected to break camp with the Reds, like the, the Matt McClain types. I think there's a scenario where he spends over half the season up there, and we'll, we'll scatter him around the outfield, maybe a little second base. Uh, other than that, I'm, I want to be a Stuart Fairchild believer because it's just a good name. Stuart Fairchild, strong, I appreciate that. But, no, I think that's it. I think that we've got a, uh, you know, one of those guys that we signed that we'll talk about here in a little bit, good platoon match for Jake Fraley, but I think Fraley's going to get most of the at-bats. And there's a sneaky world where Fraley's like a, very, very serviceable three quarters yeah. of the season kind of guy. Serviceable um, is the word, yeah. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to vibe checks, I think Will Myers is going to have a great year. I think we're going to really like him. We're going to miss him when he's gone, and we're going to appreciate Crawls Hall. Um, actually, I apologize for saying that. That didn't sound good coming out of my mouth. I'm going to let you do that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
the vibes aren't necessarily the strongest with this outfield. I think that Friedel's a fun guy, but him and Sinzel are just kind of splitting time in center field, and that's not great. This is where you need that one guy, that Barrero, somebody, Matt McClain, to come up and like take one of these spots away from these guys because the vibes are not not looking good. Or for Sinzel to be the guy that we've been promised for, for many years. Um, I that, that, That's my preferred outcome. Yeah, right. But like with Barrero, you know, I don't bet the ranch on it at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I look at this and I'm like, because we've had, it's been good vibes so far. But I look at this outfield and, again, you know, I, I don't know T.J. Friedel. I don't want to criticize him. His mom may be listening. He's not, he's not really a major league starting outfielder. He's not for a, a real organization. The evidence that we have about Stuart, um, Nick Senzel is that he's not shown that he's a starting MLB outfit. Defensively, he's he's fantastic, but, you know, with the bat, no. Stuart Fairchild, who's also in that mix, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm biased against him because he went to Wake Forest University. Get out of here. <laughs> Who goes to Wake Forest? Um, and his name is Stuart. I mean, what? what's that all about? I don't know that those guys are would be a starting outfielder for any other organization. Nixon Zell might because of the pedigree um, and because of what he actually did in the minor leagues. But at this point, given what he's done in the major leagues, I I don't know that any other organization has it. So that's that's where my vibes start to. Um, I'm going to throw one more thing out at you, and that's Michael Ciani. Um, the guy's never really hit. I mean, he's really hit much in the minors either. But the word on the street is he plays an elite center field, and he gets on base at a high clip. Now, if he has to hit to make that on-base percentage matter, but if there's a world where he can get that batting average up to even 240 and get on base at a 340, 350 clip, maybe with elite defense, I don't know. I'm reaching here. I'm trying. Trying to keep the good vibes flowing. I'm not sure if it's succeeding or not. No, you can you can make the case. No, I, I and I'm, I'm more predisposed to uh, at least have somewhat favorable feelings about Michael Ciani because, as I've mentioned here on the show before, he did not go to college. But when he was thinking about going to college, he did commit to the University of Virginia Cavaliers. So, um, yeah, the outfield picture you can get excited about this team if you start looking at that outfield, and I just don't know. I, they they really have to. I know the Castellanis aren't going to break the bank, but they really need to open the wallet and go out and get uh, convince Aristides Aquino to come back. I mean, I think that's the key. <laughs> Maybe not. You went there. I thought we were keeping the vibes going. Oh, that was tough. All right, so my uh, projected bench here uh, would be uh, Kirk Asali, Luke Mel, as we've already discussed. Uh, Stuart Fairchild, you mentioned. I think he's probably – I think he breaks camp with the team and is on the bench. The other player that I think is probably, because of his flexibility, he's a he's a non-roster invitee to spring training. The Reds actually just signed him this week, Chad Pender. Uh, Chad Pender uh, has been with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, he's a you know he's a a guy that can play some a bunch of positions. He has hit some during his career and sometimes not. Um, but I think he actually kind of fits in as a decent. Um, a platoon guy, a, a guy that can fill in around the around the field. Um, Chad Pender, and plus we need we need more Chads. We we just need more Chads. So I think Chad you're, Pender makes this team. You're leaving out an important point. 
Chad Pinder played his college ball at Virginia Tech, the Polytechnic Institute. I, I, I didn't know that. So you might you might be out on Chad Pender. I did not know that. I had not done that much research. Chad Pender is a hokey. Hokey, hokey, hokey high, he says to you. Um, I think oh. there's a really good chance. He does hit uh, lefties at a decent clip. Him and Fraley make a lot of sense as a platoon. Um, not a great platoon because he doesn't hit lefties at a good clip. It's a it's decent at best. That'll play well in Great American. But we're leaving out my boy here, and I don't like it. Alejo Lopez. Yeah. He's taking your Stuart Fairchild spot. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. You think so? We got infield. We got outfield. He's a good-looking fella. He's putting it in. He's already – he's been in Arizona for like two weeks. He's at a development camp today. The shift is gone, so those little scorcher ground balls that he hits are going to get through. He's going to bat like 398. <laughs> All singles. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. No extra race hits at all. I, before they signed Chad Pender, and again, we mocked the Reds signing these guys and giving them minor league contracts and inviting them to spring training, but Chad Pender's the one that I think uh, on the uh, offensive side of the ball that really has a chance to make the make the roster. And um, well, He's got some pop, some, and none of these other guys we're talking about really have, have pop. Yeah, pop plus flexibility to play around the diamond, and if you're only carrying four bench guys, then uh, five if you include the DH, I guess. But... Um, I, I like what Pinder can bring. He's actually, you know, again, these are minor league contracts, non-roster invitees to spring training. It's not like we're the Nick Crawls, uh, you know, uh, curing world hunger here. But uh, he's a he's a guy that I think could is probably the leader in the clubhouse to make the team. But if he weren't there, I I would probably say Lopez. But my, I got to tell you, my my heart's with Alejo Lopez. I just there's nothing about that guy that not to love. He just. He's a scrapper. He, I don't know. I, I, I want him to have a big league career just because he seems like a kind of, you know, yeah, kind of Le- guy. Lejo's it's a good name. It's a great name. Great name. Great he does name. have options though. So they can, yeah, they can be, they can be a little flexible with the Lejo. Anyone else that you, we think might be in the mix? I mean, I think some, maybe some of the kids, you know, you mentioned Matt McClain earlier, might be in the mix for some bats uh, off the bench this year. Uh, Elliot Cruz about you. is my. It's my Nick, hope, but Nick Solak is a guy mm-hmm. that they they brought in, and I think he'll be. Yeah, he's there involved in some way. Um, the big questions, and you just kind of touched on it there, is that what if what if one of these young bucks forces the team's hand out of spring training, and we're, we're, I think we're really just talking about um, maybe maybe a little three headed monster of Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, and Christian Encarnacion Strand. I think there's a scenario where, especially if Votto's on the DL, or whatever it's called these days, CES yeah, I, could could be that guy. It could be, could be. I, I think I probably expect it to be Will Myers uh, as the first baseman in that scenario. But and, and I don't. I'll just tell you, I don't expect even if those guys have a great spring, I don't expect the Reds to jump the gun if they don't think they're ready necessarily. The Reds have been better in recent years, though, about giving players their chance. Since the Nixon's elf fiasco, uh, when he should have been brought up a year earlier than he was, um, although in hindsight, maybe uh, you can argue otherwise, but um, the Reds have been better about giving guys shots. Jose Barrera, we just talked about, you know, I mean, Hunter Green, frankly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think the Reds will, will suppress those guys like they would have in the past because they need those guys. The, it, 
the thing that probably should keep Nick Crawl up at night is will Ellie De La Cruz be a superstar? Because if that happens, it makes his life much better. If he comes out next year and performs, it just makes everything better around this organization. So I don't expect that, but you're right. They're in the mix, and that's, again, sort of best-case scenario, right? Yeah. The only thing left to really touch on, at least for those position guys. Definitely. Well, let's uh, again, we've, we're talking too much about all this, so let's kind of run through the pitchers as quickly as possible. Here's my uh, starting rotation. Opening day, again, they sometimes they start with four starting ro- pitchers in the rotation, but my, my, my the first five starting pitchers that I think will pitch games for the Reds this year, Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, Luke Weaver, I've changed my mind a little bit. I think he's going to get a shot in the rotation again. And Luis Sessa. Those are my five. Well, who am I missing? Who do you think? I mean, maybe Brandon Williamson, but I don't I don't see it happening until he gets a, a little bit more of a chance in AAA. I definitely agree with the four of Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, and Sessa. I don't I don't know that I don't even expect Sessa to be there all season long, but I think that's how the rest roster shakes out getting started. That fifth spot, I don't know. I mean yeah, I think that Weaver's probably the front runner, but there's also a world where he is just not good at baseball anymore. Yeah, that world is called Earth. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's had times in recent years where he's not been good. He's had times where he's, I think I think he's a reliever, but I do think they're going to break camp. That's my prediction. They're going to break camp with him as a starter and give him a shot. I'm going to throw something else at, out there just because it's fun to me, and that is Connor Overton in that fifth spot. Ooh. It was not – a flash in the pan. He actually is the second coming of Sandy Koufax. The Connor Overton project has returned. I love it. I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that. Um, all right. So uh, bullpen, bullpen. And before we do that, we have another uh, viewer mail question before we get into the bullpen. And let's uh, just let this uh, kind of guide our conversation from our buddy, Kyle Kapler. Kyle says, who are the top three leading bullpen arms in terms of innings pitched in 2023? And is the law man, Kansas law dog, what I call him, Derek Law, is he among them? Law don't so, go around here. Law don't go around here, Kansas law dog. Um, uh, no, Derek Law to me is not one of them, although we can have so much fun with him. Here's here's my prediction, and some of this is February vibes check. We're good vibes only. The three guys that are going to pitch the most innings out of the bullpen are going to be Alexis Diaz, Lucas Sims, and T.J. Antone. Oh, the vibes are strong over there. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, man. Um, I don't need to tell you you're wrong. I don't want you to be wrong. I want you to be super correct because if that is the case, then the Reds might have a really good freaking bullpen. It's possible. Um, first off, does Luis Sessa count if he spends half the season in the bullpen? Because that's a cheating way to answer who gets the most innings. Yeah. But... Um, I go if I'm if I'm a betting man and I'm not going with my with my heart on this one. I'm going to say it's uh, Diaz, Buck Farmer, and Ian Jabo. I think they're going to get Buck Farmer and Ian Jabo. Really? Yeah. I mean, they were both kind of up there last year, and they were signed to much fanfare this year. Resigned. So. Yeah. Well, listen. I think that I'm not excited about it. Here, here are my names that I think are going to pitch the most innings in total. I mean, I think Jabot's in there. I think, and I think Buck Farmer's in there. I mean, I think they're going to, 
And, and you know, I, I love Ian Jabot's name, so I'm going to decide at this point I'm going to become an Ian Jabot stan, as, as the kids say. Um, I think Tony Santillon, uh, I, I'm very hopeful. I mean, he's just he'll, – he'll turn 26 this year. Tony When's Santillon, he supposed to be back? I do. Come on. How am I supposed to know that? Why would you sure. ask me a question just, that would require that like me that. to have prepared? That's, that's um, I think Reaver San Martin. You know, he's just 26. Mm-hmm. I guess he'll turn 27 this year. Um, he looked really so, good out of the pen last year. Well, after the after the tough start, but um, yeah. yeah, when he came back. And, and he's a lefty. That's why I think he's going to be in there. The Reds have very few lefty relievers. Uh, you know, Connor Overton, I think, is, is in that mix as well. So, I don't know. Um, Keep an eye on my guy, my my random, hopeful, like just guy I'm going to fan over big time. That's Ricky Karcher. Ricky guy Karcher. Yeah. Crazy control issues, but he throws a million miles an hour, and he's like a Ricky Wild Thing Bond. He, he'll yeah. hit you, you know in what? the face or strike you out. I like <laughs> it. I love a guy like that, and he's 25. Uh, he was drafted in the 13th round in 2017. So I love those guys. Um, uh, in spring training, his number is going to be 74, Nate. I mean, I, I want him <laughs> to keep that number in the uh, in, in the big leagues. I don't know. Yeah, you got him. You got Daniel Duarte's uh, hopefully going to be back. You got Derek Law. You got, I don't know, Joe Kunal still in the mix. I don't know. With the bullpen, it's, it's so hit or miss. Who knows? But, again, Bob's check. You can squint and see how the Reds could put together. Since we have uh, Sims and Antone coming back, putting together a decent bullpen, and yeah. I choose Sims to believe Antone that it's going to healthy. If Sims and Antone are healthy and good, then this is going to be a fun season. It might not be a good one, but it'll be a fun one. Definitely. Uh, anyone else we didn't mention before we move on? Because we spent way more time on that than I expected. Um, I'm looking at the 40 man. I guess the only other two really for me would be Brandon Williamson and Levi Stout. Um, I, I don't expect them to spend most of the year with the team, but I think we'll get a heavy dose of both of them throughout the year and maybe a little bit of uh, Fernando Cruz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Brandon Williamson is the guy. I talked about Steer earlier. Uh, you've talked about Christian Encarnacion Stan. Brandon Williamson is my guy. Like, if we're going to be optimistic, if, if if one guy could take a big leap forward, boy, it would really help if he did because he could become a mainstay in this organization and in uh, the rotation and give them a pretty good top four. Um, yeah which I don't expect, but that's sort of fingers crossed. Uh, that'd be nice. All right. Uh, other news of the week. There's, we're just going to kind of kind of fly through some of this because uh, we spent way too much time doing the roster rundown. Although the, the, the vibes were good. Man. I had fun. It was fun. You know, um, the Reds also signed some guy named uh, um, Jason Vosler. Jason Vosler, lefty hitter. Uh, he has some flexibility, can play around the uh, – around the diamond a little bit. Uh, he's been with the Giants the last couple of years. You know, I'm not uh, – I don't expect him to break camp, but he might be, uh, you know, sort of roster filler. I, I presume you have some kind of hot take about Jason Vosler. Well, he does have one thing that um, is really common amongst a lot of these players that Nick Crawl the Reds have been targeting lately, and that's he's, uh, he's not really good at baseball very much. <laughs> is that a problem? I, I, I don't know that that's a problem. <laughs> No, I hope I uh, uh, win the triple crown, bro. <laughs> Let's go. I'm not uh, – don't, don't stop the press, though. 
Yeah, really, right. So anyway, that's the transaction of the week. The other news we thought about getting into a little bit this week that we'll just barely touch on, which is that Keith Law, who is my least favorite baseball analyst, just I don't care if he listens to this, um, he's my least favorite. I don't, there's, I don't know, and I don't even really know why, but for years ago, I decided he was uh, my least favorite. He did his uh, his prospect list that he does every year. He's at The Athletic. And uh, Keith, don't call me Derek Law. Um, top 100 list, he had uh, Ellie De La Cruz at number four, I believe. Um, and he had, uh, I think, four total reds in the top 100. Yeah, Ellie De La Cruz, number four. But he also said, if things go right, if he uh, you know, kind of improves his uh, swing selection, you know, his uh, plate discipline, could end up being the best player in baseball. Now, before we move on, I just want to take a moment to say, whoa. If Elliot De La Cruz becomes the best player in baseball, we happy. <laughs> he also had um, – who else did he have in that uh, top 100? The, the usual suspects. It was uh, – he, right. he had Cam Collier as the Interesting. second highest rated Reds prospect, which I get it. The guy's like 11 years old, and he hit 700 or something in college which when he was, you know – yeah, junior college, smoke cigarettes, and uh, <laughs> but he had him ranked over Noel V. Marte, which I think was yeah. pretty interesting. He had him 17th overall, and evidently he had Cam Collier rated at. And we've not spent a lot of time talking about Cam Collier, but well, we're not gonna, the, he's not going to be a red for 2027 or something, right? right. Until they get to double A, I, I just ignore him. But um, I just Law supposedly 2027 had, might might be like optimistic, <laughs> right, right. by the way. <laughs> Um, Law evidently had him rated as the number two prospect in the entire draft last year. You know, and the Reds got him at uh, what the Reds get number 18, 18 I think, I think it was yeah. 18th, yeah, 18th overall pick. And so that's something. And uh, yeah, he did go to Juco, but you know, he he had to decide to go to Juco because he thought about, you know, maybe just keep working for the city, keep some change in his pocket. But instead, <laughs> he went stay with the junior college. There's some guy that know what the anyway, whatever. Uh, too many days and confused quotes tonight. Um, but that was interesting to me as well. Noel V. Marti, third, number 49 overall prospect, so top 50. And then uh, Edwin Arroyo, also, you know, from, from the Mariners, like every one of these prospects, at 58 overall. So four reds in the top 60. And there was a little bit of consternation about the fact that the reds were, he had them rated as the number 13 overall farm system and the worst in the, um, National League Central. And there was a little bit of consternation about that. And and our buddy Joe Farsing in our Slack channel, our uh, patreon.com slash redleg radio, or no, Riverfront Cincy. I changed that. Good grief. Um, patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy made the point that I was planning to make, which was that, yeah, just the 13th best farm system. But that doesn't count Hunter Green. It doesn't count Nick Lodolo. It doesn't count Graham Ashcraft. It doesn't count um, Spencer Steer. So you put those guys in the mix, and it looks good. Those are guys that just what they call graduated. So I'm not upset that it's just the 13th. But there's also a chance that Keith Law's an idiot, and that's fine too. Yeah, I think uh, even trying to make these rankings, these lists, it's it's a, a fool's game. What's the point? Like, how, how, how the heck do you know how the 19th best prospect is going to turn out? He could he could be the best one of all of them. So. We're excited about these guys. We should be. Um, we'll be a lot more excited when they are on the big league club wearing the uniform that I uh, that I root for. 
Absolutely. Um, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the red and white and sometimes black drop shadow of the Cincinnati Reds. Nate, can we do some, I don't think there's any other news of the week. Can we get into some viewer mail? Do you mind getting into some viewer mail? Let's pop into it. My favorite All right. Part of the episode. Listen to other Definitely. people talk instead of us. Exactly. People providing content for us. I love it. We may have to do rapid fire here, so let's try to do that. First question comes from uh, Joe. Far do you know Joe Farsing? Have you met him? I am quite familiar with Joe. I spend far too much of my week with Joe. Yeah, I do not uh, envy you there. Joe Farsing says, why do I feel optimistic heading into spring training? Do I need to remind myself this is the Reds and not the Bengals? Well, we're optimistic. We just said it. It's that time of year. Um, Aren't you listening, Joe? Jeez. Yeah, why, why would you ask that question? We just talked about it. Next question from Joey Gaditza. I also feel optimistic, he says. Surely the injury bug won't hit as hard. 75 wins, realistic? Um. Yes, I think yes. Sure. They have done that right around half of the years of this entry. It is possible. It's the first week of February. Of course we're going to say it's realistic. 75 wins? That's horrible. The Reds are going to win at least 92 games this year. Ooh, like I'm it. going on the record, but I'm not making a tattoo promise. No tattoos. Did you see that fan, uh, fan duel drop their win-loss projections for every team? And the Reds were set at, I think it was 60, 64 and a half or 65 and a half. Hooper Powell asks, the experts see the Reds as a 62-65 to 65 win team in 2023. I wonder if they switch the uniforms from polyester to cotton. Do you see 70 wins? Um, yes, on that question, because we need to go back to cotton. Um, but I'm taking the over on that projection on wins. What, what do you think, Nate? You, you going with the over or the I, uh, I, I literally went with the over. I popped over to FanDuel who has a great app, um, and I, I put a little sprinkle, just a little, little taste, just a little nibble on that over because the Reds have hit that over every single season since 1982, except for, I think, twice, not counting the COVID season. So if you're just playing the numbers, if you're, if you're a betting man, you like odds, they should be better than the 65 and a half wins or whatever it was. 70, I'm not going to bet as much money. But it's spring, and hope is springing <laughs> eternal. So, yeah, Hooper, let's go. Let's switch that fabric, switch the material. 73 wins, baby. Well, that might be pushing it. Uh, I would go the over, even though I don't do the FanDuel. Uh, I'm a DraftKings guy, but uh, I would definitely go the over. Um, we don't need to get into that too much. We've talked about it before. Uh, the Reds are not going to lose 100 games again. They're just not. Yeah. Please, dear Lord. Don't want to lose 100 games again. I can't deal with it. I don't need to get a tattoo. All right, next question comes from Rich Thompson. Rich's question. First of all, Rich's question is concise this week. Love you, Rich. Thank you. Awesome. What would bring you more joy? The Reds having a 500 or better season or either Joey Votto or Tyler Stevenson being selected to the 2023 National League All-Star team? Now, I'll let you answer, but I'll say this. All three of those options the Reds having a 500 or better season Joey Votto making the all-star team Tyler Stevenson making the all-star team all three of those would bring me some measure of joy what, what would bring you more joy Nate 500 or better baby 
all day long. The Reds have not done this more often than not in my lifetime. Um, they won it 16 times in my lifetime and only eight of those since I had turned 10 years old. I am significantly older than 10 now. So give me 500. And most importantly, with the expanded playoffs, a 500 team means that they are playing meaningful September baseball. Then they're one hot streak away from chasing a playoff position. And give me that all day long. Give us that hope. Yeah. No, it's not even close to me. I, Joey Votto, you know, I will probably never in my lifetime see a better Reds player. I hope I do. hope it's Ellie De La Cruz. I hope it's Tyler Stevenson. I don't know. Um, I really want to see Votto have that one last swan song and, you know, get that tip of the cap at the All-Star game. I want to see Tyler Stevenson get his debut in the all I, I want to see that for him. He's a seems like a great kid. And um, I want him to have the future that I hoped for Devin Miserocco. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know Joey Votto personally. I've spoken to him one time in my life, though. I mean, so, you know, I'm going to tell my grandkids about that. Uh, I've never met Tyler Stevenson. Uh, I want them to be happy. But I'm selfish. I want me to be happy. And the Reds have not made me happy more often than not, as Nate just alluded to. Give me that 500 overseas because, again, we said earlier, more nights than than not, they're gonna we're gonna go to bed somewhat pleased. But also, just I want to get to September one and have some hope. We did that in 2021, and it was a ended up not being a good season overall. But we had hope going into September, and so to me, this is how low my standards have dropped. That's fun. I want that. I'll take it. So, yes, absolutely. Five you know, better I, I think it's, it's that's an important thing to talk about. We could probably spend an entire episode on it, but there's this big divide right now between Reds fans online, between the ones that are prospects, enthusiasts, and excited about the future and are always looking at things glass half full. And I can appreciate that standpoint. Life is short. I'm not, I'm not, I, right. I don't disparage those guys. But then there's this other side, and – I guess it's, it's, it's kind of similar to politics. You have the way people really feel, then you have the loudest people that don't necessarily represent anybody. But there's people like me, and when it sounds like you were just saying, prospects are great and all, but I just want I want to root for things. I want to have tangible happiness, Reds-related happiness in my life late into the summer and early fall, just, just a few times. And it hasn't happened very much. So that's it. No, for for better or worse, baseball is important to us. And Reds baseball specifically is important to us. And I'm past the point where I'm like, give me another World Series. I mean, I want that. But I just want to have fun watching baseball. I just want to have a team that's enjoyable to watch. You know, that 2021 team, they had a bunch of fun guys. And did they win a World Series? No, but I enjoyed watching that team. And so I'm at the point where I'm just like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I want a World Series, but I, and I love the fact the Reds got all these hauls. That's why I've mocked it so much, though, is because I don't care. I'm sorry if you are coming to this podcast wanting us to analyze all these uh, these prospects. I'm just not going to do it because I, I just don't care. I want good big league players. I don't want good players at Chattanooga. I've been to Chattanooga games. I love their logo. I, great little stadium. It's fun. I don't care if they're good, if they have good players until they become good Cincinnati Reds. So, yeah, it's always for me. Just give me some fun to watch. I like baseball. I want to, mm. I want to have some fun. Yeah. Jo- 
We something else you wanted to add there, Nate, before I move on? No, I was just gonna say that like, I don't get in trouble from my better half for watching Reds games. It's a lot harder to convince her to watch other teams. If the Reds are good, we're baseball is on the TV, baby. Absolutely. All right, Jordan Salisbury. Okay, gents, how are we feeling about the Valley Sports bankruptcy rumors? Is it good for Reds fans or bad? Rumors that the blackouts will be ending, but is this giving Bob and Phil more excuses and ammo for PowerPoints on how poor they are? My quick and dirty answer to that is, is I, I can't see any scenario under which it's good for Reds fans. I mean, I think the if the blackouts go away, uh, that's great for uh, people that live in Iowa. Um, and you know who uh, I'm talking about. But um, otherwise, I just think I don't see any scenario. We could spend 30 minutes talking about this. Maybe we should at some point, but I don't see, and we're not going to do it tonight, but I don't see any scenario under which it's a good thing for the Reds because it's yet another, it's a it's a bullet point on a PowerPoint. It's another reason for the uh, the Castellanis to say, oh, woe is us. Um, so, Nate, I don't know if you nope. have a quick take on that, but. That's it. Um, could be good for baseball a few years down the road. Blackouts are stupid. Rob Manfred hates baseball. But for the res, it's only bad. Not only is it less money, it's a very visible, very public headline that the Reds have less money. And if you think they won't utilize that to uh, make excuses, you're crazy. Exactly. But today is good vibes only. So we're moving on to the next question from Mike Perry. Mike's question, what is your confidence level and the Reds' ability to make the playoffs in the next three years. Sky High, comp- baby. <laughs> Sky, Sky High. What? Not really. This, this year. We just, I'm just spending an hour talking about it. If you think I've talked myself into it this much already in 2023, wait, you wait until 2024. Um, if the Reds were to hire Theo Epstein tomorrow, or if the Castellanes were to sell the team to Steve Cohen, my confidence level would be sky high because they have a great group of prospects. Thank you, Nick Crawl, for uh, for for your your service to this organization. Unfortunately, I don't trust the leadership here, so my confidence level is almost zero. But we're moving on because we're trying to have good vibes only here. Good vibes sometimes. Good, yeah. <laughs> I just I don't trust the the people that are running the Reds. Um, but I think a competent front office, competent management team, confident ownership could absolutely take this team to the playoffs in the next three years. No question whatsoever. There's literally no question. Seth Shaner, with the unveiling of Arizona's sponsored jersey patches on their uniform sleeves, they're too big, by the way, says Seth. How much would it cost the Riverfront to convince the Reds to allow you to advertise on their jerseys? Well, the Reds did announce today, uh, after the question was asked, I guess, Kroger is going to be a, uh, have a have a patch on Reds' uh, uniforms. Um, Nate, you think we can put together enough money to convince the Reds to put the Riverfront logo on their, on their uniforms? I'd rather they put this logo. <laughs> Get in, loser. We're cutting <laughs> payroll. That's a YouTube-only joke. Um, there's not enough money on earth for the Castellinis to agree to put the Riverfront logo. We just, we've burned that bridge, Nate. I'm sorry. I burned that bridge. It's my fault. I'll take responsibility. But Chad asked me to come on here and occasionally hop on and do this podcast with him. He promised me 
wealth and riches and access. He's like, you're going to hang out with Major League Baseball <laughs> players all the time. I get to sit with the Wags. No, none of that, because the Castellinis hate Chad. <laughs> Hash brown. Castellinis hate Chad. I want to see that on the Twitters. Yeah, sorry. We're not We're not going to get a... Uh, just very quickly, we don't need to get into a discussion about this, but I, I have literally no heartburn about the Reds having advertising on their jerseys. Some people do. Whatever. Tottenham Hotspur has it right across the front. That's a that's a football team. European football, mate. I don't know what that means. I refuse to acknowledge it. Isaac Shepard. Why does it seem like the Reds are about to announce the return of Tom, excuse me, Thom Brenneman after 700 WLW put him back on air for a Bengals pregame show? That might actually be my last straw if I have to hear him calling Reds games again. Um, you know, I don't know that I have a hot take about Tom Brenneman. His dad, uh, who was, has been kind to me in the past, has been very publicly trying to convince uh, everyone that his son needs a second chance. All I will say is this. Tom Brenneman got his job not because he was good at it, but because of his last name. His dad was great at the job. Um, but I also have this thing where I, in my professional life, I am very serious about second chances for people. Should his second chance be to be back at the Reds? I hope not because I just don't think he's good at his job. So, But... Um, I'm conflicted in some ways only because I think everyone is deserving of a second chance. I just hope he gets a second chance with, uh, I don't know, some double-A team somewhere. That's all I will say about uh, Thom Brenneman. Nate, do you have any hot take, or are you going to just avoid this topic entirely? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty reasonable stance by you. Um, as someone who is only on this podcast because of my last name, <laughs> I understand a little bit, but uh, you know, I pride myself. <laughs> And I think of myself as a man of faith. And there's a deep drive in the left field by Castellanos. Oh, my. No, he's not yeah, coming that's back. Enough. That's enough. He's not, he's not coming back to the Reds broadcast. There, I, I think there's zero chance of that. Um, but, um, you know, for all of you that were upset with Marty in his latter years because he was a, a little bitter or whatever, Marty's an all-timer. He just is. He was great at his job. I, Thom never was. And um, so, I, you know, I, I think if he has to earn his way back, it's going to be tough because he's just not technically as good. I don't want to talk about Tom Brenneman ever again on this on this podcast. That's um, the rule. Yeah, I just I, – I can't – I can't – I can't deal with it. Um, last question. Brandon Kamek. Do you think ownership ever mixes up their business transactions? Example, I love this, Brandon. Thank you, by the way. I, this is the way. To, this is the way to end it. I don't just thinking about this amused me, and I appreciate anything that makes me smile these days. Do you think ownership ever mixes up their business transactions? Example: How many cucumbers would Jesse Winker have been worth? They really could have gotten a haul. Oh my god! I don't have an answer there. So many. So many cucumbers. So many cucumbers. You know, if I know they're in the vegetable business, the Castellanis, if they were in the, uh, you know, the egg business with the price of eggs these days, Jesse Winker would have been worth at least two eggs. 
two eggs. You want to try an egg. Have an egg in this trying time. <laughs> Can I offer you an egg in this trying time? If you know that reference, tweet it at Nate uh, because uh, we're at Riverfront Cincy because I want to see it. Nate, uh, before we get out of here, what else do you have going on around the riverfront? Oh, man. Me and uh, the aforementioned Joe Farsing, we did a bit of a postmortem and sort of season in review a little bit and kind of what to expect in the coming weeks and months for the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a, uh, it was a tough episode to record. We definitely waited a couple of days, but we are excited about what we're doing over there. We're excited about the direction of that franchise because it's Cincinnati and we root for winners. We play for rings across a lot the street of this- red American. There's no doubt. A lot of disappointment around the way that game ended. And I was disappointed with the, the penalty and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I'll say, man, um, anyone who's disappointed in the Cincinnati Bengals season, you need to have your own little personal vibe check. Oh, gotcha. Because there's nothing to be disappointed about. Uh, it's just it's an organization going in the right direction. They have great young talent. Um, and so, uh, you know, the Riverfront Bengals show – is uh, is following them every week, and I can't encourage you enough to go and subscribe to that because Nate and Joe have they have fun. <laughs> Come and we, join the family. There are literally dozens of us. Yes, you could be like the thirteenth list. No, that's not that's not even true at all. It's, it's a joke, but it's not true. All right, so um, thank you to everyone for listening, supporting the Riverfront either here or the uh, the Riverfront Bengal Show. Please do remember to subscribe to this show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook at Riverfront Cincy at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. And once again, a huge thank you to, to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. I say it every weekend. It's true. The show would not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. So come join us. Come hang out with us. Literally, the lowest level, two bucks a month you get to hang out with us. It's, it's, trust me, it's absolutely worth it. Patreon.com slash Riverfront. Since he clicked the link in the show notes. Shouts out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto. Shouts to Wayne Krenchicki and Eli Cash. For Nate Dotson and Patrick Kivlahan. this is Chad Dotson saying, <laughs> so long, everyone.